Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. Our people, our clients, and society is looking to us to not just talk a good game, but to actually do something about it. Hi, I'm Michael Casson. Welcome to Good Company, where I'll explore how marketing, media, entertainment, and tech are intersecting, transforming our lives and the way we do business at a breakneck speed. I'll be joined by some of the greatest business minds and strongest leaders who will share how they've built companies from the ground up or transformed them from the inside out. My bet is you'll pick up a lesson or two along the way. It's all good. It's a great pleasure for me to welcome a good friend and an industry icon to good company, Michael Roth. Michael, welcome, and thank you for joining me today. It's good to be here. Good to see you. For our listeners' pleasure, Michael and I share something, which is we are both tax lawyers, and we graduated from the same program at New York University, proudly, and ended up somehow in this crazy business. Yeah, yeah, it's strange, strange events. You never know. I, I didn't certainly when I was growing up, I didn't visualize running a uh, a marketing communications company. You know, I always well, wanted to be a tax lawyer. There you go. <laughs> and and I always wanted to be a you know a rock star. I ended up as a tax lawyer, and and then in this crazy world. But Michael, it's been an interesting time, and you know, I want to take a look back, a look at the present and maybe even a little glimpse of what's around the corner. But, sure. you know, when you came into this business, people raised their eyebrows and said, you know, what the heck does a guy who was running Mutual of New York know about the advertising business? Now, in fairness, you were on the board of Interpublic before, but, you know, you took to it like a fish to water, Michael. <laughs> you know, it was a natural habitat for you. It's something that you probably, as you said, didn't anticipate. Yeah, you know what? It's 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 kind of interesting. when I When the board asked me, I said, you know, I don't know, other than being on the board, I don't know anything about the business. All I know is I know how to run a business. Um, Mutual of New York ran into some problems and uh, we were successfully turning it around and ultimately demutualizing it and ultimately selling the company. And uh, it's a people business and you're dealing with clients. And so, you know, it's just a question of, of uh, a business model of the client first and how do you solve solving clients' problems and how do you have the best assets and people uh, to do that? And are you structured to meet the needs of the clients? So it really didn't matter whether it's financial services or marketing and communications. It's That's the business. Just to draw the comparison, that's how I looked at it when I came into the business. Again, I didn't have a background in the advertising media business per se, but I looked at it because, again, I came into the door of media, not the full right. service. And I looked at it and said, this is investment management. Clients right. are giving you money to invest on their behalf, and they want an ROI on that investment. They want a return. Well, we're, it's an advisory model, and and you know the advisory model is what can you do for me, and uh, how do you prove it? It's clear that none of us uh, sitting here in the summer of 2020, when we saw one another in January in Las Vegas at Consumer Electronics Show we would not have envisioned we'd be sitting here <laughs> five plus months into you know virtual quarantine and and something that was beyond our wildest imagination and not on the positive side but rather on the negative right. side and it's also been a year that has been fraught with so many important messages and things that we as an industry and just we as citizens need to reflect on but i do want to dive right into it sure recently you sent a very 
public and open letter to the employees of Interpublic, but I think it was geared towards your employees, but I think it was geared towards the industry at large. It was an open letter. And you referred to the moment in time that we're at as a tipping point and, yeah. and an important tipping point where we have a chance for meaningful change. Can we chat a little bit about your view of where we are and what you're doing personally and at IPG to affect the change we need and your advice for our industry? Well, look, I mean, when I came to the industry, you know, I came from a financial service industry. And, and what was clear to me, you know, when I met with the senior executives of IPG, not just as, as I took over to, to run the company, it was all white males. And, 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 and what was clear to me is that we're in a service business and the marketplace wasn't reflected by all white males, right? The women were doing the purchasing uh, and, and, and clearly uh, in order to get the right message out, we needed the right people. So we embarked as a company to make diversity and inclusivity part of the DNA of our company. And, and, and so right out at the outset, I made that a primary objective uh, to a point where we actually made uh, objectives of diversity in, in initially with women in, in, uh, as part of the compensation of our CEOs. So we put in financial objectives that they had to meet to get compensated as far as their incentives. To it was part it of the KPIs in, 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 in a clear exactly. way. And, and I think we were the first company to do that. And, and I wasn't bashful about it. And, and, I, and a lot of our people weren't happy with it. Uh, whether they called them quoters, whatever, I just said, look, in order for us to compete, we need a diverse uh, representation in thought. Uh, okay. And, and so we, that's, we were off and running. And from there, we formed a, a diversity council where, where all of our CEOs participated. And, and from there, we, we had all sorts of uh, inclusion awards that we went to, uh, and, and we, we recognized that, that this was a core part of our business, and everyone embraced that. And, and uh, you know, we even brought it up to the board of directors. So 40% of our, our board uh, uh, are women. And so it's not just talking about it, we actually had to bring it to life. And, and it, was, it was in those days, if you remember the early days in Cannes when we had the women's breakfast, we were the only holding company that had a breakfast that focused only on creative women. And why aren't there more creative women in the business? And it started out with 50 people in the room and we ended up with hundreds of people waiting online to get into our breakfast. So, you know, we wanted to make sure that our company stood for something, uh, that we wanted to have a company that people wanted to work with and clients wanted to do business with. And if it wasn't, focused on inclusivity, then, then that wouldn't be the case. And then you fast forward, uh, we took the initiative from the women's initiatives to include uh, people of color. I mean, it, took, it was a couple of years and I, I, I put a line on the sand and said, okay, we've done a great job with women. We have a, you know, a fair amount of senior women in the company, uh, they're running agencies, uh, they have the important roles, now let's take a look at where we stand with people of color. And, and it was embarrassing how poorly we were doing there. So we, we stepped up our game uh, with respect to diversity and every one of our business reviews, every agency uh, goes through a diversity discussion on open positions, career development, how many people of color, Asian, L LGBTQ, you, you name it. We, we included inclusivity 
to include everybody. Let me stop you there for a second, because I hear you and I know that to be true. But I also look at the grid. And as you said, there's not a lot of people of color in our industry, full stop. If you don't open the aperture, you're never going to solve this problem. It's impossible. The pool of talent isn't there if you restrict it. It's just not there. Can't happen. So how do we do that? Well, the way we do it is we uh, expanded our recruiting efforts um, and, and, and we, we basically went to different schools. You know, we go to Howard University and, and, and we go to Baruch College in New York and we have internships and, and we encourage our people to, to participate in programs. Uh, I, I signed on to the Business Roundtable, just started a new initiative on actually hiring people who don't have qualifications. Okay. Exactly. And, 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 um, it's, 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 it's an amazing program that, that, that we're embracing as well. So what was clear and, and, you know, if you look at since the George uh, Floyd, uh, uh, murder, if you will, our people, our clients and, and society is, is looking to us to not just talk a good game, but to actually do something about it. And, and, and so what we have done, and I sent out another one of my notes, look, I, I, as you know, I believe that CEOs of big companies have a responsibility to take positions. Okay. I did it on Charlottesville. I did, I did it on all of these. And, you know, and, and I actually, had, I went to the board and I said to them, I said, oh, look, I hope you don't mind, but this is important stuff. And the board said hundred percent behind me in terms of taking positions. And, and uh, since the George Floyd murder, we have been very active in terms of holding various sessions and upping our game in terms of recruiting of people of color in particular and engaging, more importantly, all of our employees to understand the other side. Uh, and, educate. And, 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 and educate. And educate. And we, we, we had on Juneteenth, we had an event, for example, uh, with Eddie Glau Jr. from, uh, from Princeton. We had thousands of people participating on this event, talking about how, how, do we, how do we as a company change? So we have these sessions with, with allies. We have, we have sessions, open mics, open town hall meetings with senior management to talk about how are we gonna move this needle? What do we have to do to make a difference? How do we bring it down to the next level? We, we, we already held the CEOs accountable. How do we hold our managers accountable? How do we hold our people accountable? And how do we make sure that we have the pipeline of individuals that are more representative of society? And, and I can't tell you the reaction I've gotten. I've gotten reaction from our competitors who send me notes saying, Adam, you know, terrific. I get notes from our clients, some of whom you know, who send me notes saying, you know, it's about time someone took a stand in this business for this. You know, we participate, as you know, with Unilever on the UnStereotype and the United Nations program. So as a company, we're not bashful about it. And, and, and everyone in this company understands that we have to make a difference and we're committed to do so. And, and so we improved our hiring process. We, 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 we've gone deeper in our hiring process, but we have to build this around getting the right people uh, for the future of this industry. Well, Michael, I want to go back to what I said at the beginning of this segment. You've shown up. You just don't talk about it. You do it. And I want to applaud you and I want to thank you because you, you've truly been a leader in this industry. Full stop. Well, thank you.
Let's talk about the way we work. I saw when you had your earnings announcement the other day, you talked about the office footprints around the world. What, what's your prognosis for how we're going to work? Look, one, one of the things about our company is transparency. And, and, and when we were going through the earnings release and, and uh, the actions that we were taking, once again, we said, look, we're going to put that out there. We're going to, we're going to basically tell it like it is. Talking about our, our, our earnings, and we took a, a very hard look at what is our business going to look like. And, you know, it's kind of easy. If someone came up to me and said to me, in two days, I want your entire company be to be working from home. Can you do it? And, and, and the answer would have been, no, no way, no way. And, and sure enough, 95% of our people are working from home, you know, within a week. And frankly, not only are they working from home, but they're doing it efficiently. And, and they're meeting with clients. And as you know, we're pitching new business, okay? And we're winning and we're developing relationships. So we sit back and say, holy, you know, what does this mean? So, so what it meant was initially my gut reaction was because of the social distancing, we're going to need more space, not less space. But once we understood that we don't need to have everybody in the office at the same time or at, at all, then we took a hard look at, at, at our space. And, we, and, and, and what we announced was we took out 500,000 square feet. Um, uh, and frankly, we're taking a very hard look at the question of how do we operate in this new world? And what's clear is that differently. <laughs> yeah. And the agencies are going to be functioning differently. Now, do I think we need agencies? Yes. Do I think we need physical locations? Yes. But uh, do they need to be used the same way as before? No. no. And, and so we're learning and we're experimenting. We're doing surveys. We're, 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 we're experimenting. What we found was efficiently, people get up at 7.30 in the morning, there's no commute, they go to their computer. I'll tell you one <laughs> of the benefits of living in California, Michael, is the time zones work to my advantage at the end of the day, to my disadvantage at the beginning. Oh, for sure, for sure. I'm up early, but I'm done early. I'm, yeah. I'm, my day ends you know, a lot earlier than normal because it's not that then at the end of the day, am I going to have that drink meeting or that, you know, cocktail and then a dinner meeting or even a social dinner where, you know, all of our lives have changed in that way. So I think you're right. Yeah. The efficiency, I think, has gone up geometrically. Yeah, it's actually to a point where I actually had to tell our people to make believe you're going to lunch. Otherwise, they're, they're, they're eating lunch in front of their computers. OK, what happens is people start getting, you know, frustrated and, you know, it be, it's not easy to do. So we have to develop this balance of getting back to work on a way that works for everybody. Let me switch gears here. In the spirit of time, our industry is at a crossroads, some would say. Last year's news and noise was around more in-housing. And, you know, now we've got the situation where, you know, there's a continued push for the dreaded D word, disintermediation. We're seeing more and more of that where, where buyers and sellers are working directly Number two, just in general, at a difficult time like this, everybody's going to be scrutinizing all expense and all you know, remuneration for partners and, and colleagues. What do you think, A, is the status of that in-housing versus relying on your agency still, or is it a hybrid, number one? And number two, is this a time that people should be looking at 
the possibilities of not only reduction of, you know, or consolidation of office space, but is there a consolidation moment coming in the industry? Well, the first one is, you know, there is in housing, clients want to be efficient, but they need institutional knowledge. They need data. They need analytics. They need, they, as you know, they need to understand what is, their, what is the decision process and how do you get high value audiences? And, and, and that's, you know, that's why we bought Axiom. It's right, it's right up there, uh, you know, because what was clear to us is that the future of this industry requires a much more granular look into how do, how do we get high value audiences and what products and services are relevant to those audiences and how do we do it without cookies and how do we do it without intermediaries and, and what value propositions can we put on the table uh, that we can get paid for based on value, okay? So we, we form Conesso, we have Matakind and we have Axiom and we have the rest of the open architecture of IPG all working together and you've seen it. Uh, yes, I have. Very well. <laughs> in, in, in a room where they're all working with one focus and that is the client and they're using the data, they're using the analytics, they're using the high value audiences. They're looking at how they optimize this spend, where the return on investment is. And we have all of those assets coupled with the creative capability, the PR capability, and eventually the experiential capability if we ever get back there, all in one place. And, and, and so we have structured our company to be in a position to respond to all the issues that are happening to this industry right now, including privacy and the changes on privacy. Axiom is an expert, a recognized expert on how to deal with privacy. So, so the, the, the Axiom transaction coupled with the open architecture approach to business that we, are in, that we utilize, I believe, puts us in a competitive advantage uh, in the marketplace. Now, and it's showing, I mean, we're net new business positive, we're leading the industry. I mean, I, I, I never thought I'd say I'm leading the industry with a negative 9.9% .9 organic growth, but frankly, we are, yeah. and, 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 and we're leading it by a lot, <laughs> okay? So that's kind of scary, but, but, but it's true. But real, but real. Yeah, and, and, and um, you know, we've been leading the industry now for five years, actually. Uh, so our, what I'm convinced of is we have the right assets, we have the right people. We're working together on a collaborative basis to optimize the, the, the data analytics, the data capability of Axiom, coupled with the, the technology of Conesso and, 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 and Matakind all coming together uh, and, 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 and really focusing on the needs of the clients. Now, are there too many of us in the industry doing this, chasing the same revenue? I, I said that from the day I joined this industry. I said, we're all chasing the same revenue, all right? And, 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 and you know, only the strong shall survive, all right? And, and so, yeah, do I think there are possibilities for consolidation? Yes. Unfortunately, we had a hiccup in our industry, as you know. Yes. That, that seriously raised the question of whether these holding companies are capable of doing transactions like that. Um, and so, you know, everyone's very nervous about it. But, but uh, I think in the end, ultimately, there are transactions out there that make sense. 
So, Michael, let me ask you as a final question, what letter of the alphabet are you putting on the recovery? Is it a V? Is it a W? Go to logos. Is it a swoosh? What do you think at this well, point? Well, I'll, I'll tell you what, I'll tell you how we're positioning IPG, okay? I view 2020 as a year of positioning IPG for 2021. You know, we took a restructuring charge of over $100 million. We took, uh, unfortunately, we had to take some people out of our, 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 our workforce. We took the real estate hit. We're looking at structural changes in our company. We're doing everything we can, because I remember 08 and 09, and, and this is the same management team that got us through that. And, and, and our, our, our mantra is, is position IPG for 2021. And I can assure you that for 2021, when that comes, and if there's a recovery, which hopefully there will be, IPG will be, be positioned better than, than many companies to, uh, to capitalize on that. So whether it happens in the first quarter, the fourth quarter of 2020, the first quarter of 2021, you know, I don't know the answer to that, obviously. And, and, and I got a little penalized because I didn't answer it on my earnings call. Um, but it's but all- how do I know? Our approach is that for 2021, we will be positioned from a cost structure, from a, a structural point of view, both from a physical structure as well as an agency structure. Organizationally. Yeah. Organizational. We will be structured uh, to optimize the return of IPG in a, in a positive environment. But again, I think you're doing what a responsible CEO needs to do, which is position, use this moment to be positioned for what's coming, do the best exactly. you can to shore up the resources for now, but be prepared. And we're finding that. We're finding that the it's kind of the, the phenomena of purchase accounting, something you're very familiar with. It's a purchase accounting moment across the industries that I've seen. People are looking at the changes they need to make and the things that are right to do. And since nobody is giving guidance in a traditional way right now, you kind of have a pass. I mean, everybody's kind of got a pass for this year or should. And therefore, do the make the moves now. And that's exactly. what we're saying. It's the smart and thoughtful way to approach it. Michael, I want to thank you again for being a great friend. I want to thank you for being an industry leader. I want to thank you for, as you, we said earlier, not just talking about and admiring the issues, but taking a leadership role. Michael Roth, you're a mensch. You're a good friend. And I'm proud to call you as such. Thank you so much. Same here. Appreciate it. I'm Michael Casson. Thanks for listening to Good Company. Good Company is a production of iHeartRadio. A special thanks to Lena Peterson, Chief Brand Officer and Managing Director of MediaLink, for her vision on Good Company. And to Jen Seeley, Vice President, Marketing Communications of MediaLink, for programming amazing talent and content. Good Company is edited by Jessica Kreinchich.